Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Newswire Podcast Monday edition. It's the 18th of May. This month is flying by. Your host, Jake Burns. We are brought to you by betonline.ag and BlueChew, both of which have great promos going on using the promo code BLUEWIRE. The welcome bonus at betonline.ag, which is going to be there for you right away. And the first shipment of BlueChew for those needing help in the bedroom. First shipment free. Just have to pay the shipping cost. That is both of those sites using the promo code BLUEWIRE. Get there, use them. You've heard me talk about them for weeks on this podcast. Make sure you're using them. So myself and Jared Mueller had a fantastic Sunday. We forgot to even get together to record. That's how great our weekend was. We don't have any time to waste, right? We're not even going to waste any time doing this, the shenanigans I normally do before. I'm going to bring Jared Mueller in now. You read his stuff. You were hopefully today reading his piece on... Um, the undrafted free agent class, and he's going to keep going through them slowly. Jared, how are you today? I'm doing okay. It's, it's Monday, somehow the 18th of May, man. I don't know. I don't know what day of the week it is, and I don't. Yeah, it's it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. We're here. Listen, guys, you need to know that we have all angles of this rookie class set to be broke down. We have, like I said, the drafted guys are completely done. We have gone through uh, the end of from. Jedrick Wills to Donovan Peoples-Jones, we've gone through them all. Now we have the undrafted class. We had a film room on Tony, or sorry, on uh, AJ Green from John Stephenson, uh, who wrote. You know, this is the guy the Browns spent the most money on, so we wanted to give him a little bit of a um, fuller, deeper breakdown. So we broke him down. He's available to read if you want to read up on that player. Talked with John about him on Friday's Newswire podcast. But we're going to keep going through these guys, and Jared's doing a fantastic three-play series on most of these rookies as we uh, as we kind of work away from the draft, obviously, and work through minicamp as the, the Building the Browns uh, recent issue was, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But um, these are fun. There's three plays that give you an idea about the players, some of their traits, and Jared's doing a great job with it. So we're going to start with Tony Brown, the wide receiver out of Colorado. Uh, you watched, I think I sent four games over, so you watched enough of him. What what kind of feel do you have for Tony Brown, and what can the people read about in your piece, Jared? Yeah, so for these piece, I'm really focusing on what these undrafted free agents do well. They're undrafted for a reason, so we're not talking about these elite uh, players that you know are in the first or second round. So I really wanted to focus on what, how could they make the team, and so, um, so I watched the four uh, all twenty two film as well as one Oregon game that was uh, available through YouTube, uh, and just really found a player who, in a lot of ways, reminds me a lot of Rashard Higgins. Uh, not that he, they're the exact same player, but when you look at his athletic profile, and I use um, Kent Lee Palat use does uh, these RASs, 
um, their relative athletic scores. When you look at his athletic profile, it's pretty bad. Like he does not have uh, an amazing athletic profile in any way, shape or form. He doesn't grade anything b- above an okay uh, in uh, the, in math bombs uh, Roz scores. So I see a player who, if he's going to make the league, I see a player who's going to make the league because he knows the nuances of the game. He can run good routes. He can understand the game and he can get a feel for the game. He's not going to be a wide receiver. That's going to win, um, because of even short quickness, long speed, size, uh, physicality, like all of those things. He doesn't have one trait that really stands out as even above the rest. And so He's really going to, if he's going to make the league, he's going to make the league because he understands um, body position and body control and he's got good hands and, and some of those kind of things. So you're not looking at a player who's going to jump off the page at you, but you are looking at a player when I broke down the film, I saw someone who, who knew how to play football in every aspect of the game. And so for me, that's really important. You didn't know if he was the primary receiver on a route. You didn't know if it was a run or a pass because some of the runs uh, he was set to run it, run off his cornerback instead of block his cornerback. You couldn't really tell based on how he was acting in any given play what else was happening on that play. And so, uh, and then when he had to block, he was physically tried, he put effort in, he understood leverage, those kind of things. So there was a lot there that I saw that showed it in the little details and the understanding, the football IQ, there's a lot to really like about Tony Brown. The key will be is whether he can overcome his physical limitations to make the roster, whether it's um, the practice squad or the Browns roster over the next few years. Great insights. And I think that kind of carries us into this rookie minicamp on building the Browns, right? We've had this discussion, you and I, about how they're going to conduct these virtual minicamps and how Kevin Stefanski would be able to handle these and what it would look like for the guys. And we got a little bit of a glimpse through uh, yesterday's release, episode four, I believe, of building the Browns. They they sort of went through some of the details of it. And I, I again leave thinking Kevin Stefanski is going to do really well from an organizational um handling of his coaches. I've said this before, Jared, but you know, I think the thing that gets missed in the in the last few coaches that the Browns have had in this this organization is that they have not handled their coaches well. It is as much as they have not handled their players well, I don't feel like there's been a respect to the head coach from the assistants and there's always been some sort of breakdown categorically between some faction of the coaching staff and the head coach. It has just continued to happen. I don't think you're going to see that with Kevin Stefanski. I just see a guy who people are continually impressed with and a guy who commands respect naturally, not in an, in any sort of um, self-absorbed or arrogant manner that some seem to have, or a sort of, I think in the last head coach's situation, a guy who just always sort of felt like he was never good enough and kind of always looking over his shoulder and having to thump his chest and say, I'm the guy and believe we're going to do it my way kind of thing. I think that Kevin is very collaborative, and I think you saw that in in, in the rookie minicamp section of this video um, yesterday. If you guys have not watched it, I would urge you to go. Most of you who listened to this probably did watch it, but if you did not get a chance, go watch it. It's it's very insightful. What did you take away from that section of the uh, of the show? You know, what I was most interested with Stefanski is he has been consistent. When you hear Kevin Stefanski talk, whether it was on Building the Browns, uh, I think he was on Get Up on ESPN a week or two ago, or yeah, it was last week. Um, 
and even before that, you hear a very consistent guy and you don't see a huge emotional range. Now, he's not Bill Belichick where he's stoic and all of that, but you don't see a guy who seems to get riled up or or upset or thrown off or any of those kind of things. You see a guy who is looking forward, has a very specific thing in mind, and no matter what he's asked or what's going on, again, the interviews are easier to see some of that than the Building the Browns where they have all kinds of film and they they find the stuff they like. But you definitely see a guy who just seems to be consistent. He seems to be the guy that he is all the time. It doesn't seem like an act. It doesn't seem like he's trying hard. He seems like just someone who is talking and is themselves and is well-prepared and all of that. And I think when you think back, Remember the Browns, at least Paul DePodesta and possibly Andrew Barry, wanted to hire him after only four games, I think, or five games as offensive coordinator before instead of hiring Freddie Kitchens. And the primary reason wasn't how he was as a play caller. It's how he was as a person, as a manager of people, understanding communication, all of that kind of stuff. So you you have that consistency. And then, like you noted, I don't think there's going to be the ability to have back channels to anybody. Because I think if one of the coaches goes to talk to Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podester, and maybe Jimmy Haslam, or tries to kind of get power someplace, they're going to be sent back to Kevin Stefanski. There is going to be none of that, oh, I'm sort of on another person's side kind of thing. And I think that's really kind of the key thing that they were looking for uh, when they wanted to be collaborative. So, so far, so good. Obviously, in building the Browns, you're they're really doing the the virtual stuff, you know, the looking at watching Harrison Bryant, you know, move his poker chips around. Uh, uh, so we knew where people needed to be and those kind of things was quite interesting. Um, but I, I'm really intrigued as they continue. How do they do, do they do anything physical, right? Are they looking at, you know, is a coach asking the player to get up in a stance, you know, is, is the coach asking the player to show him his hands and how he would do this, that, and the other, those will be some of the interesting things that we may find out about, or we may not, but I'm really intrigued by how they turn this mental into physical in the future. Yeah. And the mental side for rookies is especially challenging and, and coming into new offense is probably challenging for everybody. So I do think that there's a real benefit to getting this much mental, um, mm-hmm. you know, time to soak it up like a sponge because so often you're, you know, when you're coming and going from, you know, mini camp and OTAs and all of the above, you don't necessarily, coaches will always tell you they don't get enough teaching time because um, you get out on right. the field and you go through individual drills and you get some time to teach at the beginning of practice during walkthroughs. Um, and then, you know, you get team sessions and things like that. But they're going to get a lot of time. So I will be fascinated to see what they think about the amount of time that they got for classroom study stuff and whether they think that ultimately led to more um, cohesive understanding of their offense, you know, as far as understanding verbiage and alignment and all that stuff, how it translates. Um, little quotes will probably happen on that as the teams get back into the buildings that are opening up. I don't know how that will look for Cleveland or any team, really, as these things have started to trickle open. But, um you know, I just will, will be particularly interesting to see if there's any, you know, just little quick quotes that come out about the difficulty of all this thing. I think the coaches will give you an idea of it. Um, and they may not go into detail like Jared and I are talking about. They probably won't tell you inside stuff, but they will tell you whether, um, you know, we, we got a real benefit from, from all of the classroom time and Zoom time that we had and talking through things. Because sometimes communication can break down, especially when you get to coaching and coaches get these preconceived notions of players based on how they run drills and um, just a lot of different variables that can happen when you get guys out on the field and maybe you spend more time coaching up somebody else you didn't know you were doing that. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different things. So I, I think that 
we, we've talked about how this could be a disadvantage to new coaches and uh, all that comes with moving into a new position and a new franchise and all of that. But maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's, it's, it's for the best yeah. that they can slow down and watch video and, and uh, get on the same page. And then when they get in here, maybe late July or whatever, there's a, an element of we're ready to rock and roll. We know everything now. It's just getting on the field. And now we're going to apply it. And there will be less time spent on mental reps and maybe more time spent on uh, – on, on implementing and, and getting more things ready to rock and roll that maybe they wouldn't have been able to do. I don't know. I, I really don't know what it'll look like. I'll be fascinated to see what those questions and answers are when the time comes. But uh, this is a quick one. Just do a quick little Monday pod. We, we got behind. Accidents happen. Mistakes are made. We're not perfect humans out here. But I hope you guys found this one informative. I think we hit on some points that are salient for, especially with this most recent episode. Get out there and watch it. There's some good stuff on on uh, Jacob Phillips in there and Donovan Peoples-Jones as well. You should you should really uh, spend some time with it, and especially Joe Thomas talking with Jedrick Wills. That's fun stuff too. Jared, thanks for joining me, man. Yes, sir. Hey, have a good week, man. All right, guys. We will be back tomorrow. I'll have Fred Greetham on. We'll talk through some more of his depth chart uh, pieces and looking ahead at what the Browns have here in 20, 2020 and beyond. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to look at this draft class. Keep your eyes out for more of Jared's quick hitters, these three-play series on these undrafted free agents is really fun stuff. And I think you can get a a really good feel for who these players are. He gives his scouting tips and stuff like that too. And uh, I was impressed by that piece. And I think you guys will be too. And hopefully we can get through most of this uh, undrafted free agent class before anything crazy happens, like making cuts or anything like that. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they, maybe they change things up. We'll see. But listen, thanks for joining us guys. We'll be back tomorrow as usual. Go Browns.